And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show. Presented by RIA Advisors. And welcome to Financial Fitness Friday. I'm Rich Rosso, CFP, with Danny Ratliff, CFP. Welcome to Friday. And welcome to Janet Yellen, who says that even though Fitch downgraded us, the solution, my solution to what Fitch said, which, Fitch, you're liars. We are very fiscally responsible. The, what we need to do, Danny, is spend more money. That's how we solve the problem. That really got me. She comes out, Danny, and she's talking about how we need to go ahead and spend all this money. And that's going to be good for our credit rating. I'm living in la-la land here. How about you? Which is the exact reason Fitch <laughs> said they were going to downgrade because of poor fiscal <laughs> policy. Yeah, I guess she's bought into MMT, huh? Yeah. Oh. I even renamed it. MMJ for Janet. I mean, you talk about doubling down on stupidity. Now, I understand how infrastructure spending is good. I'm not complaining about that. And I'm also understanding, you know, Danny, when it comes to MMT, the interesting part of Keynesian economics and MMT is there's a point when households have surpluses that's when governments actually should be raising taxes and lowering spending. See, we seem to forget the other side of the Keynesian equation that we never talk about. So when we were running all those household surpluses during the COVID crisis, when the personal savings rate was 33%, that was actually your time to not issue stimulus. And that's exactly what we did. So I'm sorry... I understand the Keynesian economics, and I think it, during certain periods or cycles it works, but there was always this methodology of pulling it back. But we forgot that side of the equation. Thus, Fitch goes ahead and lowers our rating. Matter of fact, I'm surprised they hadn't done it sooner, Danny. I'm actually surprised that they, they waited this long. To, the timing uh, of it's kind of odd. I mean, nothing material has changed. We know exactly <laughs> what they're doing. They've been doing this. We've seen them kick the can down the road as far as debt ceiling mm -hmm. debates and increasing the debt ceiling once again here in June. And yet they wait till the beginning of August. Mm -hmm. They had a pretty good opportunity to do so, you know, two months ago. But it must be scary for them to do that. And I, and I, and I commend them for doing it. Oh, they probably all have bodyguards. <laughs> you kidding? I mean, think about the, the peril they're putting themselves in, especially in, a, in an election cycle. Man. I mean, you know, Biden might just get out of the basement and start talking to them about it. But, but at the end of the day, is this really a, as big of a deal as they're making it out to be? Probably not, right? We've already been downgraded once it's in 2011. Not, we still it, have one AAA rating. But it's not the point. And, and, and Lance brought this point up about, yes, we've been here before. But here's the difference. We keep going there. We haven't changed. We're not getting better. We're getting worse. That's the, it's the progression for me that it bothers me. It's not, I don't think this is a big deal for markets. I, th I, I just think this, was, this is where we're headed anyway. 
but we just never course correct. We just made it worse and worse. That's the thing that gets me more than anything else. Yes, we've been here before, but you wouldn't think we'd have to be here before, and we'll probably be here again. And oh, no doubt. I think what Fitch was trying to say is the path you're on isn't good. We've given you so many years to course correct, and you haven't. And something is telling them that we're never going to, and they needed to do this, and it probably gets worse from here. So that was it. It's the progression of it that got me more than anything else. Not that it bothered me from the market perspective, um, for sure. Well, but think about the market perspective, though. Right. Shouldn't the market take this a little differently? I know we're going to tad bit of a pullback. Markets yeah. have been overbought. But yeah. if this is truly the case, we're seeing yields pop, shouldn't you see an inflow into that area? Albeit it, it sounds <laughs> counterintuitive, but if they're saying, listen, we're on a path to destruction, there are problems out there. When do you think equity markets would drop more and people would flight to safety? Uh, I would think more equity markets would drop more and it wouldn't be as orderly. Uh, but I don't know if it would go to define safety for me. In other words, well, where's your risk-free safety? premium? I mean, safety for many is knowing you can get your funds back. Look, U.S. government is not going anywhere. That printing press is still rolling. Yeah, but maybe I demand a higher yield for it. Well, that may be the case. Right. Even though I'm going to get my money back for how you're spending and doing your and, and not changing your ways. And not only that, but doubling down on it. I'm not saying that yields are sustainable at this level. But if I'm an investor and I have to start to contemplate what risk free really means and what do I want on my money for that based on there's there's like the this seems like the guardrails are off. I know they have been off since the financial crisis, but it seems like not only have we taken them off, we're jumping off the bridge. I, um, I'm just going to be interesting to see when the next crisis comes what we're going to do. That'll be very interesting to see. And as Lance and I have been talking about since 2006, we are on the, on the, on the treadmill to Japan. You all want to read a really great book about the similarities between the U.S. and Japan. Read any book by Richard Koo. Yeah, he has some great ones. He does. And he's just resurfacing again in some articles, which is nice to see. But he's been talking about this since around 2005. <clears throat> yeah, the Holy Grail of Macroeconomics is yes, a great one. Yes, that's the one. That's yeah. one of the best. The Holy Grail of Macroeconomics. And he does his comparisons between U.S. and Japan and how similar we're becoming uh, overall. So um, the one thing I'm going to say, and maybe it is different, I think our culture is deteriorating at a more rapid rate than Japan's. I think Japan's culture, first of all, it's, it's a lot older. It's a lot. It's Demographic is much different. Yeah, well, we're headed that direction. But what I'm saying is I think the overall culture yeah. and Maybe patriotism is not a good word, but their overall culture of how they do things, I think, is a little bit more cemented than ours. And I think that that's what we need to keep them up. What do you? They're more traditionalists. They are. I think. I mean, I think it's changed to some degree, but I still mm -hmm. think it's well tenured, yes. right? And I think it's because of the, the the length of time as I've read a lot of Japanese history, and I just think that we don't have those those same foundation. Uh, those beams in place to keep the building steady.
but we're going to have to wait and see. We have uh, today, we've got um, a couple of big monthly jobs reports due. We got, uh, right, so this is the first jobs report since the pause, Danny. Obviously, this has been a, uh, a thorn in the side of the Fed. We'll see where we go when it comes to jobs. Economists expect, whoo, pretty much in line with June's edition, with the unemployment rate staying at 3.6%. That might change the tone of a pretty flat market this morning, Dow down 13. S&P marginal today. We get back, we're going to talk about a few things. AI, Gen X, ooh, you are not prepared for retirement. We're going to talk about that too when we get back here on Financial Fitness Friday. Stay tuned. news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com another exciting read for your weekend if you have no life like moi is robert schiller narrative economics how stories go viral and drive major economic events and obviously ai has been one of those stories they talk about representativeness heuristic where people form their expectations based on some idolized story or model judging these expectations based on the promise or prominence of the ideal idealized story rather than estimated probability. That is exactly where we are, I think, with AI to some degree, even though I think AI is formidable and it is a good story, um, Danny. And I think it comes from that a lot of reports from companies like Goldman are talking about how generative AI could double productivity growth in the United States. Productivity growth by 1.5% point per year uh, for a decade. And an extra seven percentage points for global GDP. And so the productivity and what that means as far as profit margins. So I think we've moved on from the AI narrative to the what it means to me story for companies. I, I, list, I, I read a few transcripts from some companies that reported uh, they don't talk about, Danny, I don't see anything about ESG anymore in there. I don't see anything about DIE in there, Die. I see AI. And I don't care if you're a consumer goods company, you're selling pet food, whatever the heck you're selling, AI is going to work into your mainframe and make your productivity better or help you to better utilize information. So I think the productivity gains that a lot of these firms are reporting in the next 10 years, half the businesses will adopt a new technology utilizing AI. So I think AI has replaced ESG as the current narrative, and I'm not upset about that, but I think we've 
the story's maturing into the, what does it mean for my bottom line and how many employees I need? Yeah, and what, do those, what those, those employees do, right? Looking at the economies of scale, the efficiency, I think that's a big concern. And that's a lot of the conversations that I'm receiving about this or hearing is that, yeah. hey, are we going to what are, what are, what are we gonna do for work? What are our kids going to do for work? I think that it'll also create other jobs in other areas, just like as we've seen with any yeah. new technology. Oh, anything like, like the Industrial Revolution, whatever mm-hmm. it might be, we're always worried. You know what I am worried about, though? Does our workforce, based on the educational system, does our workforce actually have the, absolute, the skills that are going to be required? Mm, How do we question. get to the skills? Matter of fact, have you ever read the story about how corporations now are teaching job skills and how to just even behave in an office now? How I mean, companies are taking that? office etiquette, like how to actually say hi and goodbye to your employees and, or your, your coworkers. And I mean, I'm talking about the basic DNA stuff yeah. of dealing with other people that companies now have to spend money to actually teach you how to act. So... Now we're going to need a workforce skilled enough to handle the information flow, disseminating it, using it to, to bringing it to its highest best use, and working those systems. And I'm just wondering if if the educational system is ready for this in the United States. Not really sure. Yeah, I say a- no right now, but. Well, what's it going to take to get us there? I mean, just like we've talked about financial literacy, who would have thought we'd have right. to teach basic common sense? <laughs> well, critical thinking, you know, is pretty much done, especially this time of the morning. Well, I don't think my brain is working right now. I blame it on social media. I think social media is a big part of it. I think it's a huge part of it because people have been able to hide behind a keyboard, behind their phone, and, you know, you forego actual interaction with people. And think about this, Danny. Talk about heuristics, right? Where we have representative bias and all these, where people can just use narratives. They don't have to even dig in, right? That's why we have headline fodder, right? Yeah. You just click. We have clickbait, but we never really do homework. Matter of fact, journalists and reporters don't even do homework anymore. It's all based on narrative. And um, I don't think with when it comes to AI, I think you're going to need a workforce that can bring out the productivity in a Procter & Gamble by utilizing that information. You know, bringing out the efficiencies for a company. I mean, there is a place for that, to your point earlier about some jobs get displaced, some don't. But are we ready? When will we be ready? And how will we be ready? I don't see anything about that. I see all this, 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 this bucolic talk about you know, all the productivity growth, all the articles I'm reading, and it's really positive, but nothing about the workforce that needs to now handle that down the road. And I, I don't know. I don't have an answer for it. I don't know. It's going to be interesting Hopefully to see how this thing plays kids. out. Um, it'll be the Ratliffs. Ratliffs, we're, help, we're depending on you. Ooh, that's scary. You know, it started with the soap pods. With the what? The soap that's, pods. That's where it started? Yeah. Tell me what you mean there, Spanky. And, and that's that's why these people don't know how to behave in the office. They they have no accountability, mm-hmm. but they see this stuff on social media. Let's go swallow soap pods. 
That's where it started. Oh, soap pods. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like the Tide Pods. The Tide little, Pods. Yeah, yeah, Tide Pods. Those are, those Who do. Who in the world thought that was a good idea? But those do I look mean, appetizing, I have to tell you. <laughs> I mean, they're very colorful. Oh, man. No. Go ahead and try to open a package of Tide Pods. I dare you. <laughs> I just take out the machete and cut it open. I'm tired of all this packaging to prevent stupidity. Why don't you just go buy regular laundry detergent? I like my pods. <laughs> you got to cut them open. Try to go, go ahead and try to open a package of Tide Pods with the, with the child-proof, adult-proof, robot-proof lid. I don't think you're supposed to open them. That's the point. No, oh, it, that's he's talking about the packaging, though. It takes the jaws of life to get no, into it anything It does. Anymore. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Hey, where there's a will, there's a way, okay? Shh. It's awful. Yeah. Um, Jim says, uh, which is very good. When they say companies are teaching basic social skills, these are large corporations. The smaller companies don't hire those that can't interact. That's very true. We have no time for that crap. Mm -hmm. We got people who actually know how to communicate. That's why I think you're better off working for a small company. And if you're working for a small company, more credit to you. Well, you know, when I, was, when I was going through school and I got all my MBAs and all this crap, I was thinking about, oh, boy, I should just work for a large company for 40 years and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I thought I, thought I knew everything. I knew nothing. Amen. Yeah. So to your point, like you understand, right, corporate grind of, yeah, I can understand that. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's not as pretty as it looks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we Jim's on a roll. <laughs> yeah, Jim's good. Yeah. <laughs> Corporate culture is a subculture. Yeah, like the sewer, Jim. That's what corporate culture is. The sewer. Like on Dead City on AMC, they have to go through the sewer and all the, all the zombies are out, like full of methane. That's what corporate culture is. You know it. I'm not going to say the other part of what he wrote because it's true, but I'm not going to say it. I don't want to get in trouble. Um... Yeah, I hear this from my girlfriend all the time. I'm like, I cannot, I don't think I can work in a corporate environment anymore. I don't think I'm, I don't think, I mean, I can do this and we're all part of this team and we create value and I get it. I don't, I don't think I could do it anymore, Danny. I, unless it's Bucky's. I, I don't think I can do it. Bucky's or bust? Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it'd be difficult to go back. Um, Wouldn't it be different to go back to a corporate grind? Yeah. I think I think our grind over. is much more so than probably what most corporations in general. However, I mean, as far as workers, as far as productivity, yeah. But at least, yeah, to your point. But it's rewarding. Yeah. But I get your point. Yeah, I get your point with that. Um, yeah. Oof. I have to say, <laughs> the YouTube channel is really out of control today. I really like it. I'm gonna have to jump on in a good way. Yeah. No, it's all good. They're all. They've all had their coffee. So, here you go, their YouTube channel. This is the book you all need to read. This is it. Bob Schiller's Narrative Economics. You could tell I read it. YouTube, sorry for radio. This doesn't work. All bookmarked. And then I'm reading The Fourth Turning is here, and I'm really losing my mind. Oh, man. I haven't got into that yet. I did get the book. Don't. Unless you, you're taking, say, take a shot of bourbon first. Yeah? Before you get into it. Yeah. That bad? Yeah. That bad. Yeah, I figured as much. <laughs> so, uh-oh. You want something? You want the book? 
Yeah, you want your coffee. Watch out for the photos in there. Whoa, we just the bo the book broke the board. All the levels. We're good. We're still on. Yeah. Every time something falls on the board, I want you all. Now, some of you are too young. Go back to the the um, Little Rascals when they performed. They were called the International Submarine Band, and there's a guy in a booth who's running the radio dials, and every time they drop the microphone, like Spanky gets something caught in the microphone and it hits the ground, the board blows up and the dude's hat goes up in the air and his hair looks like it's all fuzzed up. That's what happens when, the, when you hit that board. That guy cracked me up. Except every, I have no hair, but yeah. Yeah. At the end of that episode, he totally lost it. <laughs> Just like Brent. <laughs> so um, It's all good. So what do you think about it? I'm thinking about more about this work from home hybrid. There's all this talk about the productivity. Where is the real productivity of working from home? We're working less hours overall. Like the, the work culture has become more European. Yeah, I find that interesting because I feel like it's the opposite. It gives me more time to work if I'm working from the house. It el yeah. eliminates two hours of drive time. It's, you know. Because Danny, you're a freak. That's no. why you're, you're no. a, I mean. well, I mean, in a good way, you actually use the time. Like, I find it very productive, but I do feel like being in the office is very engaged. When you talk to people in person, it's very different. And I always like that energy uh, overall. Hey, we get back, we're going to talk about Gen X. You were born in 1965. You are the beginning of Gen X, the forgotten generation. I'm sorry, Lance. You're a latchkey kid. When we get back. The Real Investment Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. to get emails from uh, get a lot of emails from listeners and people that read our stuff about Roth and um, how they don't trust the government and they'll change the laws on Roth and I'm sort of so they're going to put everything in tax deferred accounts and I'm sort of you're thinking the wrong way man this whole new secure act and new laws are set to encourage Roth if I'm the government I love Roth Roth is the J.G. Wentworth of accounts. I get my money now. If anything, they're going to go after the fatted calf of pre-tax accounts. So there's a provision that was enacted in late 2022 that denies a key tax deduction to workers age 50 and older who had 145000 or more in wages in the prior year. And Danny and I talked about this. And that is where your catch-up contributions in your retirement plan Roth must go into Roth. So you making catch-up contributions and you made 145000 or more, your catch-up contributions are going to Roth. And Danny, we're always ahead of the curve. How long have we been talking about Roth? So in the Wall Street Journal today, there's an article. So here's a surprise, says Betty Wang, a Denver-based financial advisor. Effective savers shouldn't be mad. I, I tell them Congress is doing you a favor by forcing you to save in a Roth account. In the long run, you'll come out ahead. Other advisors agree. 
Everybody now is on the bandwagon, Danny. That we started, what, seven years ago? Yeah, First easily. Time. Well, listen, I, I think that this is finally, it's, it's getting out in mainstream media. The problem has been, I think, that at most firms, where most advisors work, large institutions, they're not teaching that. Uh, it has not been taught. Mainstream financial media has neglected their duty of actually giving good information. Financial mainstream media is as bad as general mainstream media when it yeah. comes to misinf- what comes up to information that it sends out, right? Well, I and think this has been one of those things that you just said. Who does it behoove? Is, is it their advertisers? Is I don't know, it but their- I like that word. I want to use it today. Behoove. <laughs> but I'm going to do it like that. Behoove. Word of the day, man. That's the word of the day. No, go ahead. Yeah, you're right. Well, I think that's the problem is that we always have to take these things with a grain of salt. And you need to understand exactly how this impacts you and your family, what is best. And, you know, too many times we talk about how do you just put as much money aside without thinking about how do you put as much money aside and then have more flexibility with it. In light of what we're seeing, I mean, look, Fitch didn't just downgrade the government debt for no reason. Now, you know, the, the impact, we can argue, but what is that going to mean? So what's going to have to happen? If we want to, let's just say that all these rating agencies are going to say, we're going to give you AAA back. What has to happen? Austerity? Nobody wants that. Cut government spending? No way. I mean, it's not <laughs> we happening. tried that. Well, and, I mean. And, you, you, and that was a bad thing. Well, yeah. you saw Europe do that coming out of the, the great financial recession, right? And they went in a double dip recession because of it. Now, the other caveat could be we're going to raise taxes. That could shore, shore this up pretty quick. I mean, Lance has been talking about tax receipts have been so low, they're going to have to, especially if they're going to continue at this clip of continuous spending. So I can make a pretty sound argument. Now, some of it's going to be based on hypotheticals, but what happens if we revert back to the old tax code and you're going to retire? Maybe you don't end up in that lower tax bracket anymore. What happens if you if taxes go even higher? Well, we know we're going to have the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act sunset, right? Yeah, in 2026, right? So, And there's no way I think that that... No, no. I mean, that's the easiest thing for them to do and mm-hmm. say, listen, we didn't do anything. This was already in the bill. These guys should have made this permanent. Right. And that's an easy way to, to see this tax brackets kind of condense um, and and go a little bit higher. So these are things that are going to happen. So if I'm thinking for my clients, hey, we want to start thinking about how do we put aside funds? And unfortunately, mainstream financial media, not, you know, this may be a conspiracy theory in some ways, but the thought has, and I know you share this, is that mm-hmm. what... Why? Why is it so important for them to say, hey, pre-tax, pre-tax, pre-tax? Because they're going to get paid more in their 401ks. They're going to get paid more in these types of accounts because instead of you paying taxes on every dollar, you're putting a full dollar instead of putting in 80 cents. Right. And you might put less in because yeah. your taxable income has gone up. Correct. Um, so it's a pay now because you're going to pay later. And when taxation on Social Security is taken into account which this article doesn't really address, um, that becomes a problem. Well, you know, so. even most Social Security articles don't even address that. <laughs> I know. Like, hey, he started at 62. Here's why. Well, wait, wait, hold on. I love those articles that they're a clickbait, by the way, that say you should start Social Security at age 62. And even though in the article it starts out with, well, you know, you're still working. And I'm like, okay, on this article. <laughs> yeah, you're going to collect all of it. I, I Another one of those, did they do their homework? Is it just a narrative? It's just a narrative, right? The world is full of them. It behooves me not to watch it or read it. 
Oh, everybody's an expert these days, right? Well, social media is burnt for it, but everybody's got a everybody's got an opinion and has to let you know because if the sky is blue, it's really red. Like, you know, nobody cares about your damn opinion. If if you don't like it, move on. Move on. Okay, so Gen X. Poor Gen X. Woof. So a recent study from uh, the Employment Benefits uh, Research Center, I think, or which one is it? Yeah, National Institute on Retirement Security. Woof. More than half of Gen Xers, slightly more than half are participating in an employer-sponsored retirement plan. 14% of Gen X is covered by a DB plan, defined benefit. Uh, I'm surprised it's that high. Uh, The typical Generation X household, this is the killer, only has $40,000 in retirement accounts. That's median. That's median. So if you were born between 1965 and 1980, you are Gen X, right? You're a self-reliant, latchkey kids who had less adult supervision. Not that if you had more adult supervision, you'd save more. I don't really know about that. But it is a sorry state for Gen X there, Danny. Well, I'm shocked just like you that, that that many of them have access or have a defined benefit plan. <laughs> 14%? Uh, I, I think we need to redo those numbers because I'm pretty sure that's not right. Where are you all working to get that? But I'm surprised how married couples in this don't save. I mean, I, I you know, government workers actually in the study have higher median savings. Actually, pay, remember years ago you said, oh, you don't want to work for the government. You want to work for the private sector because the government, you're not going to get paid as much. Oh, my gosh. Boy, has that changed. No, not the truth. Matter of fact, they can't get the federal workers to come. I think, who was saying it? Maybe not Joe Manchin, but one of them was saying, like, you all got to get workers back in. Oh, Michael Bloomberg, he wrote a whole op-ed about why are all government, these federal workers still working at home? And us, we as taxpayers are still paying for that. It's a good question. So it really riled up Michael Bloomberg. He had an op-ed in the Washington Post and also on Bloomberg. But it's just, you know, just what I told him, you try to get people to go to the Social Security office or set, schedule a meeting, an appointment. It's taking forever to get there. We'll get them on the phone. I had someone who tried to call Social Security the other day. It was on the phone for 45 minutes on hold. Hmm. So... What can Gen X do, Danny? I know we always sounds like we always sound like eat your vegetables and they're steamed with no olive oil and garlic. Just eat them raw. But man, I mean, this is this is a tough one. I think it's really difficult because a lot of these people are coming up, getting closer and closer to retirement. And you know, one big misconception I think a lot of people have is that look, I'm going to get to retirement, then I'm going to work on a financial plan. And I think that. You know, there's a lot of money left on the table more often than not by maybe not utilizing enrollment benefits with your, you know, from employers, um, not enrolling properly in that, not putting funds aside as maybe tax efficient as you should be. And that doesn't mean just putting everything like we just mentioned into that 401k pre-tax, but maybe utilizing other areas. And we talk about this frequently, not just diversification of funds, but diversification of accounts and giving you more flexibility to pull from in retirement. So I'd behoove you to go ahead and start that. <laughs> That's the word, everybody. 
How many times can you say that today? You want to drive Lance nuts? I, I was going to call him and say, hey, can I come over and behoove your horse? <laughs> See what he says. That's when he hangs up on me usually. Yeah. Yeah, got to go. Imagine got, he usually says to me, I got another call coming in. There's no other call coming in. I, yeah, I'm on to you, by the way, Lance. Because every time, yeah, no, I got another call coming in. Yeah, uh-huh. That's his way of telling me he's done with me. I think this Generation X is going to need more guaranteed income products. I think they're going to need less variable asset and more guaranteed income because life expectancies will be greater. And I do think that longevity risk and saving within that structure so they don't outlive their money is probably... Ironically, the people who can't, who don't save as much, need these products more than people who do, because at least they won't run out. And I think that's probably going to be a better solution for them, Danny. Yeah, I mean, having that guaranteed income take that burden off of those variable assets—it's, uh, it can work. Not but, what everybody wants. Well, especially if they're not saving enough. Yeah. Then you're going to want a some paycheck for life, even if it's not the greatest paycheck. All right, we got one more segment. It behooves you to stick around. Stay tuned. Daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. And welcome back. Um, So we're taking a little bit of a hiatus in August from some of our candid coffees and webinars and so forth but they'll be back in full force in the fall but we will have one coming up with lance and i well all of us on wealthy on about end of life planning coming up at the end of august uh and then we'll start up again lots of exciting stuff that we'll keep you abreast of coming up for the fourth quarter so What's going to be important about today's job number is average hourly earnings. So they were up 0.3 last month. Labor demand was a little softer. Um, So June had 0.4. We're going to see if wage data moderates. That would be positive for markets today. Dow down 54. S&P just sort of flat today. So that might provide a boost. But, boy, I couldn't even guess on this number based on how the labor force participation rate looks and so forth. Um, I've given up because ADP numbers have been so different than BLS numbers. It's been, you know, it's been all over the place. It is. It is. Uh, I mean, I know job openings have fallen, but I also know that companies that I'm sure, Danny, you talk to, people who own their businesses, um, they're doing their best to retain their employees they are, but I'm also hearing more and more about hiring freezes. You're hearing yes. about more, you know, mm-hmm. smaller layoffs that are occurring. And, you know, I think that's one thing that it's 
easy to overlook. And, and it's something that's not going to show up in those numbers, like the, the hiring freezes. Mm-hmm. Um, but somebody's still, still hiring some people, right? And small businesses, a survey came out, says National Federation of Independent Small Business said they're still looking to hire, yes. which is interesting considering their sentiment. You need bodies. I mean, I go to places all the time. We were in Nashville for a couple of days, and we were sitting at this bar, really big place, In there was like one person taking care of the restaurant, a huge restaurant, and we left. We left. We walked out because, and they were saying, yeah, we're short-staffed. We're short-staffed. Can't find anybody. Doesn't shock me. Yeah. So that's why I can't even guesstimate on these numbers anymore and what they are which means i think rates are going to stay higher for longer eventually they will come down but even if the fed is done because wage growth is cooling uh, i don't see them pivoting anytime in the near future do you there's no reason to no not at the moment i mean the market seems to be very resilient economy has been extremely resilient um we are beginning to see more you know better market participation finally where you know for the Better part of the first part of the year, it was strictly a handful of stocks that were driving everything up. Now we're beginning to see everybody play ball. Now, granted, we're getting a little bit of a pullback here this week, which I could probably argue it's relatively healthy. Um, probably do. And, and can provide some opportunities, but who knows with rates. I mean, I think this is going to be, unless things deteriorate quickly economically, mm-hmm. I can't see them, them cutting rates. Now, what is the black swan event? What is the one thing that's out there that nobody knows about? That is, that's something that could materialize. And you think about this. We had problems with banks in March and April mm-hmm. when rates were a tad bit lower. I mean, actually, they were, they were fairly close. I think they were just over four at the time. They were, yeah. And so we're not too far off. We're a little bit higher than that on, you know, longer into the curve. But what is going to be the impact? Now you've got Fed funds at five and a quarter to five and a half. Mm-hmm. Highest in, what, over 10 years? Oh, shoot. I think longer than that. It's like 20 Anyways, either way, you know, Bill Hackman Hackman is short, short 30 year treasuries. Yeah, that'll be an interesting trade. That will be an interesting trade. But I think we also have to keep in perspective what's the narrative and the time frame for something like that with him. He's only purchasing options. So how long out is he going? Oh, he's thinking this is is this a month? Is he going out three months um, into the year? And, And that can change quickly. And not to mention he could be wrong. I mean, we could all be wrong, right? He takes big bets. Sometimes he hits them, sometimes he doesn't. But to your point, these are very short-term trades. He's yeah. not looking at longer-term macro trends. Correct. At least I don't think so. That's usually not how he operates. Well, I think his argument is that if we get inflation at 3%, it's stickier than what the Fed anticipates, which I think we've seen that. Yeah, um, I think it's, it's just a stubborn rate to break. Yeah, it's going to start to impact the market in other ways. And, you know, but... Going back to what we were just talking about with financials, so with these rates, if they remain elevated, that's going to put a lot of stress on financials. It'll put a lot of stress on the Treasury. I mean, just look at the interest that they have to pay just to service debt. Absolutely. Absolutely. And do they want to do that at higher rates? I would think not. But the problem is they continue to spend. Janet Yellen says that's the way to work out of it. Yeah, but now you're doing so at higher rates, which we can say you know, is propping the economy up. But if they're going to have to issue that much more debt... You don't have the buyers. They're doing QT. Who's swooping in? I don't see any infrastructure being done on the Tallahassee Bridge where Billy Joe jumped. I don't see any. Do you? Brent? It was Bobby Gentry's birthday. Oh, yeah. Gentry's birthday. Is it, is it really? 
we, this is where Danny comes out of the conversation because he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, yeah. Tallahatchie. Yeah. Tallahatchie. The Tallahatchie oh, bridge. not the Tallahassee Bridge. Right. Jeez. Different state. Oh, gosh. I was in the way yeah, in the wrong that's, state. That's okay. We knew what you meant. It behooves me to go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of uh, going back to bed, <clears throat> it seems like people that were taking a nationwide research study were participating might have been sleeping when they said that they own long-term care insurance. So they did this study, Danny. Many consumers took the survey, said they had long-term care insurance, but here's the problem. Many people don't know what long-term care insurance is. 18% of the participants in this study said they had long-term care insurance. But after the survey administration system defined the term, only 3% of participants said they were certain they had long-term care coverage because everybody mixes it up, right? They mix up medical coverage, healthcare coverage with long-term care coverage. And I understand why they do, but there is a big difference, right? Between a huge difference. Well, and I think that's the problem with just information in general when it comes to health care and long-term care in general. I think a lot of people assume that Medicare is going to take care of that for you. It's not, and that's, that's a big problem. But just like this study you know, kind of shines a light on, many people don't even know what it is. Yeah. True long-term care, I mean, they estimate 6.2 million people have long-term care out of a country of you know, over 300 million. That's, that's not very good considering we know the needs and what goes on. And, and even then, you know, 10% of the population thinks they have it. Right. That'd be over 30 million, but how many actually have it? It's like that, it's like that zoo in China where the bear is waving at you, the sun bear, and it looks like, a, and it's really a human in a costume. Come on. Like, you think you've got one thing, but you got something else. You don't have a bear. You got a dude in a costume. Hey, but experts confirmed it is an actual bear. Oh, come on. Did you see that bear? Look at him waving. He's smoking a cigarette. Come on. He's got a zipper up his back. <laughs> it's not even a black zipper. I mean, oh, my God. You know, this is, not the some t this is not the only time China's been accused of having people in costumes. <laughs> Again, it's taking after the Simpsons when... Homer dressed as a bear <laughs> at the zoo or a panda. And the other bear, the other panda bear wanted some loving. And that was really a predicament for Homer. No! So, um, he barely contained himself. He barely could. So, you got this is what it is. It's in a different, you look at medical insurance and you go, yeah, well, of course, long term care means I have a medical event. Well, you could, of course. But that's your health insurance. You have to look at long-term care as activities of daily living. If you separate that, I'm not able to eat on my own. I'm not able to bathe on my own. That you can understand maybe why that's not medical insurance. I don't have an ailment. I have some sort of disability short-term or whatever it might be that is preventing me from performing. And what's the rule, Danny? Three activities of daily living? Two. Two. Two activities of daily living means that I might qualify to receive some form of long-term care. And then everybody thinks, Danny, that long-term care is terrible. 
That means I'm like, I'm in a nursing home. No, you can. I mean, look at what happened with you and your knee. Yeah. I mean, that was where you had an activity. You maybe couldn't do certain activities of daily living temporarily. Absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so, I mean, you know. So people can have, you know. It's in my 40s, right? Yeah, an injury. And, and, and so let's and, talk a little bit about what activities yeah. of daily living, what they are. I mean, yeah. it's basically, you know, getting out of bed, dressing yourself. Wearing a bear costume. Wearing a bear costume, <laughs> of course. Uh, you know, getting to and from the restroom. Right. Um, you know. What else is there? Now you've got me all thinking about <laughs> bears, um, but but you get the point. It's it's hey, going to be boo. things that it's very it's, it's you know feeding yourself, bathing yourself, right? Um, and these are things that you know we take for granted because they're just right. our daily life. But you could have an event like I blew my knee out, and I I probably couldn't do two of those. Exactly. I mean. Yeah. For for a little bit. I mean, for not a long time, but for a while. But that and doesn't mean your life was over. No. Like when everybody thinks long-term care, they go, oh my goodness, you know, I'm in my nursing home and I'm drooling in my, into my cereal. No. Sometimes you need that for certain injuries and other things. So look at long-term care. Understand how you are going to take care of those events when they occur. Correct. Sometimes having insurance works and depending on your financial plan, you may not even need it. So don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of that bear either because it's a dude in a costume waving at you. I don't know. It looks pretty real to me. Uh, I mean, I don't know. The legs and the paws on that thing. I'm not sure. Just not sure. And I'm not going to do any research on the bears today. I'm too busy. All right, guys. Have a great weekend. Lance back on Monday. We love you. Thanks for tuning in. Take care.